welcome to the third episode of the third series of Everything Under the Sun, a weekly podcast answering all the most pressing questions children around the world have about life on Earth. Thank you for sending me your wonderful questions this week, which I love listening to. I'm really excited to get answering them. Thank you also for sending me photos of you reading Everything Under the Sun, the book. I've been out and about signing books in bookshops, doing readings at festivals, and honestly, seeing real books in children's hands and hearing everyone chatting about their favourite questions in the book, or perhaps the question that falls on their birthday in the book, has been so much fun. I'm really glad you're all enjoying the book, and thank you to everyone who has bought one for themselves or for a friend. If you feel like it, it would be really helpful if you could ask your mum or dad or neighbour grown up to help you leave a review for the book on Amazon or wherever you bought your book. Everything Under the Sun, a curious question for every day of the year, is a big, beautiful book illustrated by 12 wonderful artists. It's filled with colour and gorgeous drawings and all of your questions. If you haven't yet got a copy, do go and find one. You can get it in all the bookshops online or in real life. Pop into your nearest bookshop or library. I hope you'll love it. Now, on with the show. We're starting off this week with a great question about electric cars from Ryan. Over to Ryan. Hi, Molly. My name is Ryan I'm five years old and I live in Belgium and my question is, how do electric cars drive? Thank you, Ryan, for your excellent question. To answer it for you, I have Rachel Doris from the Royal Institution. That's a wonderful place filled with people teaching and doing experiments in science in London. Over to Rachel. Hi Ryan, my name is Rachel and I work at a famous science charity called the Royal Institution. Thank you for your great question. All cars, buses, monster trucks, all vehicles in fact, work in the same fundamental way. There is a source of power that the vehicle uses to turn the wheels at high speeds and the car moves forward as the wheels turn. Traditional cars are powered by combustion engines and they use fuel petrol or diesel to run. The word combustion actually means explosion. So when you drive in a traditional car, small controlled explosions are happening all the time. Now your question was about electric cars. Instead of a combustion engine, they have an electric motor in them. A battery in the car stores the energy that the car needs. The battery sends an electric current through a wire is coiled tightly many, many times. A special force is created in the coil called an electromagnetic field. This field pulls and pushes a magnet inside the motor that makes it spin round. If you've ever played with magnets, you will have experienced this force and seen how it can make objects move. The spinning motor in the car turns the wheels and makes the car go, sometimes really fast. The car battery has to be recharged quite often, which is why you often see electric cars plugged into charging points in towns and cities. 
Did you know that 3 million electric motor cars were built last year in the world? Electric cars are important because they do not send pollutants into the air as you drive along, and we may be able to use renewable energy to power our cars. Electric cars are of particular interest to me because here at the Royal Institution where I work, we had a very famous scientist called Michael Faraday, who invented the first electric motor 200 years ago in September 1821. It's very exciting for us to see his achievements and discoveries still being used to this day in electric cars, and lots of other things too, like washing machines and even satellites in space. Goodbye, Ryan, and thank you for your question. Thanks so much, Rachel. And thank you, Michael Faraday, for inventing the electric motor 100 years ago so that we have all kinds of useful things now, from cars, which you might be in now on the way to school, to washing machines for your stinky socks, and satellites that beam you your favourite TV shows and help your parents or favourite grown-up find their way to places using sat-nav. Incredible! I bet Mr Faraday had no idea all the amazing things his invention would be used for in the future. I'm sure he'd be excited to know how useful his idea has been to humans. Did you know that Albert Einstein, another great genius, thought Michael Faraday was so wonderful he kept a picture of him on his study wall? Faraday came from a family who couldn't really afford for him to go to school that much. So a lot of what he learned, he taught himself. He became an apprentice to a local bookseller near his family home. And over seven years of working for this bookseller, he read loads and loads of books and taught himself lots of scientific things. He also went to lectures at the Royal Institution, where Rachel sent her answer from. And those lectures helped him learn even more things. He then got a job as an assistant to an inventor called Humphrey Davy, who he'd listened to talking at the Royal Institution. Faraday sent Humphrey Davy lots of notes about Davy's lectures, and then Davy decided to give him a job. You're hired. Over the years, Faraday then did loads of research at the Royal Institution into chemistry, electricity, and magnetism. And he also gave lectures too. He was involved in loads of scientific developments of his day. So we could do a whole Everything Under the Sun episode on him one day. Did you know Faraday was also a big fan of lighthouses and had a workshop next to London's only lighthouse, where he worked on the first experiments in electric lighting lighthouses. I hope that answers your question, Ryan, and thank you for sending it in. Now, the Royal Institution have been extremely generous and offered a wonderful competition up to Everything Under the Sun listeners. One of you can win family tickets of up to six tickets to a family talk in the Royal Institution's theatre in London. The next event that's happening is called Wi-Fi Walks, and there are loads of other events coming up, so you can check out their website. And if you love science and fancy a trip to the Royal Institution Theatre in London with your whole family, get entering. Here's what you need to do. Just send me an impression of your favourite thing that's powered by electricity. Is it a washing machine? An electric car? A hairdryer? A TV? A computer? Just borrow a grown-up's phone and record yourself saying your name 
and age and do an impression of your favourite thing powered by electricity. Ask your grown-up to email the recording to molly at everythingunderthesun.co.uk. I'll announce the winner on next week's podcast. Good luck, everyone. Now we have a question about things that cars drive on. It's about motorways and it comes from Orla. Over to Orla. Hello, Molly. My name is Orla and, and I'm five years old. And and I like cartwheeling with my brother. And this is my question. How long does it take to build a motorway? Hi, Orla. That's a great question. Thank you for sending it in. Well, it depends on how long the motorway is. It can take longer or shorter depending on the length of the motorway. But it always takes years and years and years to build a motorway. First of all, they need a plan and a map. Then there are lots of jobs to do, trying to work out ways to make the motorway acceptable to people living along the route, trying to protect local wildlife. And then once permissions and things are all sorted out, you have to start digging the earth where the motorway is going to go, draining the water out of the earth, diverting other roads and tracks, building bridges, and more and more. Only then can the motorway be put down. It takes years of work and millions or billions of pounds for motorists to be able to drive by in a flash at 70 miles per hour. A motorway is a road built for motor traffic. Motorways were invented in America. Long Island Motor Parkway, or LIMP, was the first. It opened in 1908. It didn't last for very long because new roads were invented that were quicker, but you can still see it today. Some parts of it are now bicycle paths, which is pretty nice. Some people think the Italians were the first to build motorways, but they weren't. They built their first one between Milan and the northern Italian lakes in 1924. It was a fair while after the Americans in Long Island. Did you know Norfolk is one of the very few counties in England that doesn't have any bits of motorway? Before railways were built to send trains to Norfolk, it was quicker to get from Norfolk to Amsterdam by boat than it was to get from Norfolk to London by road. I hope that answers your question, Orla, and thank you for sending it in. Now for our third and final question. It comes from Willa. Over to Willa. My name is Willa. I'm six years old and I live in London. And and my favourite stuff are art and climbing and... And my question is, how do people get car sick? Hi, Willa. Thanks for sending me your question. I hope you don't get car sick. Does your mummy get car sick? I sometimes do, although I never did when I was little and I was always reading books in the back of the car. I wish I could still do that. Luckily now, I can listen to podcasts. The feeling you get when you feel car sick is called motion sickness and it's caused by your brain receiving different messages from your ears and eyes. Your eyes are telling your brain you're not moving, but your ears are telling it that you are. 
It's made much worse if you try to read or watch something on a phone or iPad. So it's much better, if you feel a bit sick, to listen to something fun and distracting, like everything under the sun. Whilst you're doing that, the very best way to stop the feeling of sickness is to look out of the window straight ahead into the distance. What I do if I'm in the back is sit in the middle so that I can look straight out the window between the two front seats. That way, your ears and your eyes pick up the same information and your body relax and stop feeling so sick. I hope that answers your question, Willow, and I hope you don't get car sick. And thank you for sending your question in. Right, that's it for this week. Wishing you all a very lovely week. Huge thank you to Rachel at the Royal Institution for talking to us about how electric cars work. Remember to send your impressions of your favourite thing powered by electricity. Is it a blender, a fridge, a coffee machine, a radio? How about a washing machine or a hairdryer? I'll announce the winner of family tickets to a show at the Royal Institution in London on next week's podcast. A thank you to Ash Gardner at House of Strange for the theme song and audio networks for all the lovely incidental music we use this week. A big thank you to Ryan, Orla and Willa for this week's questions. If you have a question you would like answered on the show, all you have to do is ask an adult to record you asking it. Ask them to use a smartphone, open a voice recording app and record you saying your name, your age, a bit about yourself and ask me your question. And send it in to me at molly at everythingunderthesun.co.uk. If you've sent me a question and it hasn't yet been on the podcast, there's a very good chance it's in Everything Under the Sun, the book. Everything Under the Sun, a curious question for every day of the year, is filled with 366 of your questions and is waiting for you to pick it up and read it in bookshops, libraries across the land. If you like the show, do rate it and leave a review and check out my Instagram if your parents can show you how to do that at Everything Under the Sun Pod and at Molly Oldfield Writes and on Twitter at Molly Oldfield. Do send this episode to a friend and tell them to listen. Have a lovely week. And if you go on a car journey, remember to look straight ahead out the window. Listen to everything under the sun so you don't feel sick. Hoping it's a sun-filled lovely week. Thank you for listening and goodbye.